Good morning, Mount Airy. It's my pleasure to be with you today, and thank you for allowing me to bring the word to you today. I'm going to, right off the bat, give you the scripture from which my message will come, so you can be turning to it while I talk to you about other, other things. Uh, it's from Colossians chapter 1, and I'll begin reading in verse 24. Colossians chapter 1, and I'll begin reading in verse 24. First of all, I want to say thank you, not only for the privilege of preaching to you today, but also for allowing my wife, Glenda, and myself to be a member of your church family. After 37 years of pastors, pastoring, I retired, and we finally made our way here, and we started visiting churches. And then we visited your church. And from the very first Sunday, we felt that pull toward this congregation. We felt that it had wise leadership. And that's one of the things we were looking for. And there was three things that pulled us. Now, we worship in the Life Center, or the contemporary worship. We just happen to like that kind of worship. And so we're over there. And there was three things about that worship that just hooked me. One, the worship leaders did not draw attention to themselves but they brought attention to Jesus Christ. They sought to lead worship and not perform, and I like that. Second thing was, the whole church heard the same message every Sunday morning. It didn't matter which worship, worship service you're in, you heard the same message, and that's the way God grows a church together. And to me, that is very important. Those two things weren't in other churches. And the third thing was, of course, the preaching of our pastor. He can break the word, can he? And I mean that in a good way. <laughs> okay? He can break the word open to us very, very well because his preaching has biblical content, and it's delivered concisely and with passion, and I happen to like that. In fact, all the staff that I've gotten to know has proven themselves to be men and women of God. Uh, desiring to please him and to serve him with everything that they have. And we ought to feel blessed by the leadership we have here. And I know I, I feel blessed to be a part of your congregation. And I thank you so much for receiving us here. Now, there's one more thing before we have prayer and, and read the word. During this message, I'm going to use Christ and Jesus to refer to the same person. Now, I know most of you didn't need, that, need to be told that. I'm fully aware of that, but there may be someone here who doesn't quite understand that. I know we often say Jesus Christ like it's his last name, but it's really not. The word Christ means the anointed one of God, the chosen one of God, and it tells us who he is. And sometimes I'll use Christ, sometimes I will use Jesus in the message. We'll find that Paul does in the scripture also. But before we read the word, would you bow with me in a word of prayer, please, okay? Gracious Father, thank you for the privilege of being here this day to interact with your people over your word. And I pray, Father, that you would teach us from your word, that you would grow us closer to you, that our love for you would be deepened, that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt what you have done for us, and that we would be willing to leave this place to serve you well. Father, only your spirit can speak like this. 
My words will fumble. My words will be short. But your words, Father, they touch the heart. So I ask, Father, that you, through your gracious mercy, would speak to us. Bind the evil one from this place. Put a hedge around every person and keep anything that would keep us from hearing your word. We trust you for this. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, Colossians chapter 1, verse, beginning in verse 24. Now, I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing, teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy that so powerfully works in me. On the front of one of my cars, I have a license plate, and it has a cross on it, and it reads, I serve a risen Savior. Now, I have that license plate because I believe it contains one of the basic truths, if not the basic truth, of our Christian faith. The one who gave himself for us in self-sacrifice is now alive. He lives within every believer. He gives new life to old lives. He guarantees our forgiveness. He intercedes for us. He guides us. His power and presence are present realities. As Paul said it, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, we have to be honest about this truth. The world does not understand it. It sees Christianity as just one religion among many with nothing unique about it. The world just simply does not understand that Christ is now with his followers, that he indwells them. Take Joy Behar, for example. You know, a few weeks ago, she responded to our vice president when he said that the, uh, Jesus had, led, had told him to do something. And she responded by saying something like this, to talk to Jesus is one thing, but for him to talk to you is another. It may be a sign of mental illness. You see, she just does not understand that Christ is within his followers. She does not understand that he communicates with them, that he communes with them. She does not understand that. Now, she shouldn't be hated for that. She should be pitied and prayed for. And I do pray that someone whom she can trust will get to her and help her understand the truth. But the truth is, Christ now indwells us. Romans chapter 5 says this truth in a little different way. I'm going, let me read that to you. Chapter 5, verse 10, it reads like this. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? You see, it's by the death of Jesus Christ that we are reconciled with God. But, it, it, but we are made spiritually mature. 
We are saved from the evil of this world by the life of Christ, by the living Christ indwelling us in power. This is the central message of the Christian faith. Jesus now indwells us. Now let's stop and think about this for just a moment. How can Jesus indwell a person? How can he be inside a person? Now, we can readily understand that those who saw him and were with him on this earth would catch something of his enthusiasm and spirit, and in that sense, he could be within them. You know, like a father being seen in the son, when the son does something the father always did. When my son Michael was younger, he's much older now, but when he was younger, he would sometimes talk with his hands, like I do at times. And my wife would make a comment that reminded her, me, her of me. But listen to me, please. That is not what the Scripture means when it says Jesus is within us. It does not mean that we catch something of His Spirit. It does not mean that we have some of His ideas and understandings and habits. That is not what it means. It means He literally indwells us. He does this through the aid and the agent of the Holy Spirit. You see, the amazing truth about Jesus is that he was able to be in people more and in more people after he was withdrawn from physical sight and touch. It was the resurrection and the ascension that released the Holy Spirit, his spirit, into this world. Jesus became universalized and available to everybody, everywhere, who would simply submit to him. Take the Apostle Paul, for example. As far as we know, the Apostle Paul never saw Jesus in the flesh. But Jesus met him that day on the road to Damascus, and Jesus came within him, and he so completely changed his life, so much so that Paul could honestly say, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You find those words in Galatians 2.20. And from that day forward, There has been an unending stream of people who have received Jesus into their very beings. I've never seen Jesus in the flesh, but he came within me, and he changed my life. And the same has happened to many of you sitting here today. You know, we talk about becoming Christian in many ways. We say things, well, it's accepting Jesus, or it's inviting Jesus into our hearts, or it's receiving Christ or is surrendering our lives to Christ. It's giving our lives in faith to Jesus. It's receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord. Whatever terminology you use, it does not matter. Whatever terminology you use, when a person repents of their sin and they turn to Jesus Christ, Jesus comes within that person and He establishes a loving relationship with the living God. Through the indwelling indwelling Christ, we are reconciled, we are forgiven, and we are healed. Praise God for that. That's the first truth we see in the Scripture. Christ now indwells us. Now, that leads us to the second truth. And that is the indwelling Christ is the source of our hope. The indwelling Christ is the source of our hope. 
I think you realize this. Maybe not. You may be enjoying life so much you don't recognize it. But we live in a world that is filled with despair. John Maysfield, in a poem entitled The Widow in the By Street, depicts graphically a heart-wrenching scene that illustrates the hopelessness that grips so many people in our day and time. In this poem, a young man is executed by hanging because of crimes which he did commit. Now, in the crowd that witnesses this terrible scene is his mother. And as the young man's body gives up the struggle for life, the pathetic mother sobs and mumbles something about broken things too broken to mend. Broken things too broken to mend. Do you hear the anguish and hopelessness that saturates those words? Here you have the very essence of despair. You have a past and a present, but no future. And there's so much about life in our 21st century that seems too broken to men. We have families collapsing all around us. And they seem too broken to men to those who are going through it. Young lives dominated by alcohol and drugs and lust and materialism. And sometimes they appear too broken to men. There's that man in his 50s who has lost his job. And he feels things are just simply too broken to mend. Or there's that mother in a distant nation holding her starving child, crying, knowing things are too broken to mend. There's that individual in our nation and in other nations whose loved one has been killed by senseless acts of terrorism. In their lives, things feel too broken to mend. Billions and billions of dollars spent by nations around the world on weapons of destruction simply because they feel trapped in a world too broken to mend. And I could go on and on and on. But in the midst of this despair, the Christian faith cries out and says, There is hope in the indwelling Christ. There is hope. See, Jesus comes along, and with the past and the present, he brings the promise of a glorious future. Then dwelling Christ can transform the present as people follow his guidance. He can remove the past through his forgiveness so that it does not overshadow the present or the future. The resources of the living Christ are available to us, to everyone, everywhere, who would simply submit to him. During Super Bowl 37, FedEx ran a commercial that played off the movie Castaway, in which Tom Hanks played a FedEx worker whose plane went down and, and left him on a deserted island for five years. Looking like the bedraggled Hanks in the movie, the FedEx worker in the commercial goes up to the door of a suburban home with package in hand. When the lady comes to the door, he explains that he survived five years on a deserted island, and during that whole time, he kept this package so he could de deliver it to her. She gives a simple thank you. But he's curious about what's in the package that he's been protecting for all these years. 
So he asked, if I may, what is in that package after all? She opens it and shows him the contents, saying, Oh, nothing really, just a satellite phone, a global positioning device, a compass, a water purifier, and some seeds. <laughs> the content of that package would have changed the last five years of his life. And just like the contents of that package, the resources of the indwelling Christ are here for anyone and everyone who would just simply believe and surrender to Him, trust Him, and ask Him into their lives. That's the message of our faith. And that's the first truth we see in this passage of Scripture. Excuse me, the second truth. Christ indwells us, and He brings with Him a hope even in the midst of despair. But that brings us to the third truth we see in this passage of Scripture. And that is, because Jesus indwells us, we have a task to do. We who have the indwelling Christ are communicators of this hope. This passage of Scripture is very clear. Look with me again. In verses 27 through 29, it reads like this. To them, speaking concerning the saints of the church, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim Him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all His energy, which so powerfully works in me. It is very clear in this passage of Scripture and in other Scriptures that we who have the indwelling Christ are to become communicators of this hope, of this Christ that indwells us. Now, I like the way our pastor has challenged us, and I believe it's under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, when he's challenged us to live like missionaries. See, he, what he's doing, he's leading us to fulfill this Scripture, this and other Scriptures, to live up to it. But the question we have to ask is, will we? One of the least likely men to attend the itinerant evangelist conference in Amsterdam, sponsored by the Billy Graham Association some years ago now, was a Maasai warrior named Joseph. His story is so thrilling that it won him a hearing before Dr. Graham himself at this conference. This is his story. One day, Joseph was walking along one of those hot and dusty roads in Africa, and he met someone who shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. Then and there, he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit began to transform his life. He was filled with such excitement and joy that the first thing he wanted to do was to return to his own village and share the same good news with his fellow tribesmen. Joseph began to go door to door, telling everyone about the cross of Jesus and the salvation it offered and he expected to see their faces light up just like his had. But to his amazement, 
the villagers not only did not care, they became violent. The men seized him and held him down while the women beat him with bobbed wire. He was dragged from the village and left to die alone in the bush. Joseph somehow managed to crawl to a water hole, and there, after days of passing in and out of consciousness, he found the strength to get up. He wondered about the hostile reception that he had received from people he had known all of his life. He decided that he must have left something out, that somehow he must have told the story of Jesus incorrectly. So after rehearsing the message that he had first heard, he decided to go back and share his faith again. Joseph limped into the circle of huts, huts and began to proclaim Jesus. He pleaded with them, saying, He died for you so that you might find forgiveness and come to know the one true living God. But again, he was grabbed by the men of the village and held while the women beat him, reopening the wounds that had just begun to heal. Once more, they dragged him unconscious from the village and left him to die. Now, to have survived the first beating was truly remarkable. But to live through the second was a miracle. Again, days later, Joseph awoke in the wilderness, bruised and scarred, and determined to go back. He returned to the small village, and this time they attacked him before he could had the chance to open his mouth. And as they flogged him for the third and possibly the last time, he again spoke to them of Jesus Christ the Lord. Before he passed out, the last thing he saw was that the women who were beating him began to weep. This time he awoke in his own bed. The ones who had so severely beaten him were now trying to save his life and nurse him back to health. Because you see, something wonderful had happened. The entire village had submitted to Jesus Christ. Now, that's a true story. And that true story says something about our passion to share the hope that is found in the indwelling Christ. Have we allowed the indwelling Christ to grow this passion within us? Or have we stepped back, somehow intuitively knowing the other truth that is taught in the Scripture? And that is to be communicators, we have to be willing to suffer a little bit. We have to be willing to suffer. Paul speaks of this in verse 24 when he said, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. What Paul is telling us is that he has to suffer too in order to be a communicator. In fact, he was in prison at this time. He had been beaten because he was a communicator of this hope. And our Lord had to suffer to establish the hope. We know that. Why can't we suffer just a little bit so others can know it? Now, our suffering will not be physical like Paul's and Joseph's. Our suffering will probably come through sacrificing some of what we have, some of our time, or some of the possessions that we could have, but we give them up so that we can give to mission efforts locally and around the world. Now, when I mean mission efforts, I am talking about going like to Kenya or to Cleveland, where we have groups now, 
That's good. That's important. But I'm also talking about mission efforts right here in our own community. Take, for example, the Christian learning centers of the upstate. They teach the Bible to public school students every school day. This past year, they had 74 students surrender their lives to Christ. Those kind of local ministries deserve our time, our energies, and our monies. But will we support them? Not just that one, but many, many others around us. Are we willing to suffer just a little bit so we have the funds or the time to do so? Perhaps our suffering will simply be being seen as religious at work. What's so bad about that? They just don't understand when they call us religious. They don't understand that it's the Christ indwelling us. But we have the opportunity to share it with them. More than, and we don't have to force it on them. The opportunity will come because you spend a lot of hours at work. A whole lot of hours. Just be patient. You see, even though it takes suffering to be communicators, we have everything it takes to do it already in us. We already have everything it takes to become communicators of this hope. We have the power of the indwelling Christ within us. Look in verse 29. Paul speaks of this. We read it earlier. I'm going to read it from the New English Bible. Now, I kind of like this translation because it drives home the Greek meaning. And I like this. Let me read it to you. To this end, I am toiling strenuously with all the energy and power of Christ at work in me. You see, we do not rely upon our own power. We don't rely upon our own wisdom, our own knowledge to be communicators of this hope. We rely upon the power of Christ indwelling us. We just have to be willing to try. I remember the first time I, tried, I shared my faith. I was scared. And I'm not going to lie to you. I was scared. But I tried because I believed the Lord would help me. Then dwelling, Lord, and he did. See, it's more of a matter of willingness than it is ability or knowledge or insight or anything else we have. It's a matter of willingness. Are you willing? Christ has given each of us a task, the task of sharing. Will you be obedient? The people around you desperately, desperately need to hear it. They're living in despair whether you know it or not. If you've listened to the news over the last few weeks, you've heard about the suicides of famous people. There was two of them in just a matter of two or three weeks. Suicide is on the rise in our nation. Why? Because so many people are hopeless and live in despair. And we, we have the answer for them. The indwelling Christ who brings a living hope to our lives. But will we let them know? 
Will we pay the price to do so? Have you read our pastor's column in our church newsletter? I think it's called The Beacon for June. Did you read it? His closing statement summarizes everything the scripture says to us. His closing statement was this, and I quote, It is not about us. It is about him and then about them, end quote. And he's absolutely right. Our lives are not about us. They should be about the indwelling Christ and then about them out there and maybe even in here who do not have the indwelling Christ yet. Now, if you happen to be one of those who does not have the indwelling Christ yet, please believe that He wants to indwell you. He really does. And He can indwell you. He died on the cross to make it possible for every being, every person who would surrender to Jesus Christ to have the indwelling Christ come within. It doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, how you feel about yourself, how you think others feel about you. That does not matter. Christ loves you more than you can imagine, and He has established the way, and He will indwell you if you would just let Him. Just repent of your sin. Acknowledge you're a sinner. We all are. And acknowledge that. Acknowledge your sin. And then just turn to Him. And say, Christ, I need you. Please come within me. And he has promised. He will for no reason turn aside anyone who does that. Honestly and sincerely.